Welcome back to the Movie Bible Podcast. This week we've got a very special episode as I'm joined by Nick and we break down the top five for the Labor Day weekend. But that's the boring part. We're actually talking more about the hits, misses, surprises, and just feel-good movies of the summer. We're doing our summer recap and just taking a walk from Avengers Endgame all the way until this past weekend. So remember, as always, you can check us out online at moviebabblereviews.com. And enjoy our special Labor Day episode of the Movie Babble Podcast. All right, so before we jump into our summer recap, we'll go over the top five for this weekend, which it is Labor Day weekend, so there's not a lot going on. Uh, but we've got Angel has fallen at 11.575 million in the number one spot. Good Boys at 9.1 in the number two. The Lion King, once again, at number three with 6.7 million. Hobbs and Shaw at number four with 6.28. And Overcomer rounds out the top five with 5.7 million. So nothing new. And granted, there wasn't really just much new. Uh, cracked the top five, but it is, for the most part, stuff we've seen in the top five before. Angel has fallen, held on to the number one spot again. I mean, it's not making a ton of money. I I don't really know anybody that has cared for this franchise unless they were interested <laughs> in it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's kind of a, a dead top five right now. Yeah, I can't say I'm super into um, Overcomer or talking about Lion King for what seems like the 20th straight week. Um, yeah, <laughs> these movies are making money. <laughs> They're going about their business. <laughs> um, yeah, nothing really. There's literally nothing to add this week. Just it's one of those things where Hollywood just kind of gave up on Labor Day weekend. They figure we're all out barbecuing or just traveling. So we got great movies like Don't Let Go and Bennett's War out this week and, and Killer Man starring the knockoff Hemsworth. So those don't get you excited. <laughs> I don't know what will. <laughs> Yeah, Labor Day is just kind of a re-release date for uh, the bigger movies of the summer. So, like, Spider-Man is re-releasing right now. Midsummer came out with the director's cut. Uh, they brought The Matrix back in some AMC theaters. So, it's really just uh, whatever we could do to get people to keep seeing the movies they already want to see. Nothing ever really succeeds releasing on Labor Day weekend. And this year's no exception. So we'll get to more of the fun stuff, which is why this is more of a special episode instead of just our usual recap. So we're going to be talking about our favorites of the summer, as well as just some other random categories that we thought were noteworthy. So the way this is going to work is we are gauging summer as anything from Endgame, which was last weekend in April until this past weekend. Um, so anything that opened up this last Friday would be the cutoff. Anything that opened up from Endgame and forward is fair game for this. So we're just going to go through some topics, just round robin it, talk about why we picked each movie for each category, and just kind of go from there. So we're going to start off with a pretty easy one. We'll do our favorite movies of the summer. And Nick, I'll let you take the lead on that one. So uh, it's, I feel like it's a pretty standard choice, but I just, I love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's so, so great. Um, just one of the bad things about seeing so many movies, I guess, is that I just never get a chance to see a lot of movies in theaters more than once. And I made, I made a concerted effort to go back to theaters to see this again. Uh, I just, I really, really love this movie. I think it's, 
it's so it's so just weirdly heartwarming. I actually just got done watching Jackie Brown again, and it's striking to see the similarities between those two movies for Tarantino. Um, I just feel like it has a lot to say, and it's just really interesting to talk about. Obviously, it's a Tarantino movie. It's <laughs> definitely has its controversies surrounding it, but I think there's oh, there's there's so much great stuff in there. Um, I just I can't get enough of it. I can't wait for it to come to streaming in VOD so I can watch it one more time. Yeah, this one sat pretty close to my number one for most of the summer. And I've still, like, I've shuffled it around a couple times just because I do really love Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And, I mean, you know, I've talked about this before, but I think this might be my favorite Tarantino movie. Like, mm-hmm. it's just so much fun, and he manages to do nothing but a ton of things at the same time. And, I mean, yeah. DiCap- I've never had more fun watching DiCaprio act. <laughs> so this movie <laughs> just has a lot going for it. Uh, but for me, and I, I have like a really stereotypical answer and then a, like a, a different answer that's probably not going to be as common. And it's just hard for me to gauge favorites. If we're talking about like, which am I the most like invested in and entertained by? I'm going to go with Endgame, like all 7 billion <laughs> people on the planet that saw it. Uh, but if we're talking something that I saw, like I really thought it was just absolutely well done like really resonated with me and was also hilarious i'm going with peanut butter falcon oh that's Uh, a cool pick it's like it's a really strange concept but it's pretty cool how they brought it about i mean they basically the the writers and directors of this movie met this uh, actor with down syndrome and in like 2011 and we're like hey we're gonna try and option kind of your life story into this movie and so it became this whole uh, trek through the Carolinas with Shia LaBeouf and this Down syndrome kid who wants to become a wrestler, and it's just like really sincere and really hilarious. Like I love this movie, <laughs> and it like it doesn't waste its time. It's I think like right at an hour and a half and just moves really quickly from beat to beat, and was just one of my favorites of the year and definitely my favorite of the summer. Yeah, this it's actually actually a perfect segue for my most surprising um movie of the summer which is our next category here but that's that was the peanut butter falcon was my choice for that um i knew nothing about this movie kind of leading up to it i saw trailer once in theaters i didn't really think much of it and i went and saw it when it came out and i was i was kind of blown away uh by it it's i get it has some narrative issues i didn't really i'm not really into the whole there's some villains in there that i just didn't feel were necessary but i just this movie is just really sweet and it's kind of weird that we don't, we don't get a lot of those just super heartwarming, just really just trying, it's wearing its heart on its shoulder. And it's, there's just, there's so many ways this movie could have gone wrong just by it's Like you said, it's a weird premise. Um, it's kind of like a, it's like a Huck Finn type of situation down, taking a trip down through the South and meeting these colorful characters. And it's, but it's it's just so lovely. Like I just wanted to hang out with these characters for so long, and Dakota Johnson's really great in it. Shia LaBeouf, and I just love seeing Shia LaBeouf in really interesting movies, which he's kind of been doing since he disappeared and kind of fell off the edge there for a little bit. But uh, yeah, I I couldn't. This movie is just really great. I hope more people see it. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I just realized both of our movies have Bruce Dern in them for our favorites <laughs> of the summer. Uh, but yeah, he's like he—he he has a really minor role in *Peter Butter Falcon*, but he's just like being this crotchety, angry old man. And I mean, 
that's kind of the point where he's at in life. So he, he just pulls it <laughs> off really well. Yeah, Bruce Stern is he's doing really a really good job of just being in like five movies a, a year, just kind of just like sitting in a chair or just like having one scene in a really important movie. Just like, good for you, Bruce Stern. You just keep working. It's really good to see him in these kind of things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's been going since, I mean, John Wayne. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's still, it's crazy. He's still, I don't even think he's done this year. Um, no, like I don't think so either. Yeah, he's still got one more. He's got the artist's wife at the end of the year. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, he's just like, out there making money with some of these smaller movies and so yeah um so most surprising for me was gonna be one that i knew nothing about like i didn't even know it existed until pretty much the day i went to go see it and that was the art of self-defense which i Mm, i think you actually uh turned me on to and i like had no idea it was coming didn't really have any idea what it was about i googled it before i went and got my ticket and like i just loved how weird and like bizarre this world was and i mean jesse eisenberg's just his usual neurotic self but just in this completely whack hyper masculine world with karate and (laughs) it was just a really strong stance on toxic masculinity but also a lot of fun and just like absurdity um a really good black comedy yeah, this was – I was going back and forth between The Peanut Butter Falcon and including this from my most surprising. Uh, this movie is just crazy in all the right ways. And uh, I think and Alessandro Navallo is just so incredibly good in this movie as Sensei. Just He has so many great deadpan lines where he, he just really dives into that satire. And uh, uh, it's this movie is wild. Um, I think some people kind of were turned off to just how weird and kind of just crazy and it's it's like sloppy in a good way, which I mean, some people didn't like see it that way. But uh, yeah, this movie is wild and I kind of don't want to like ruin it for anybody because I feel like it's one of those movies where if you just kind of go in cold and you'll, you'll kind of get your mind blown a little bit because it's it's so nuts and crazy and profane but also really thoughtful um it's like a it's like a mess of a movie but like in the worst way or in the best way possible i should say uh, it's really great yeah i mean going in blind the first 10 minutes i was like what the hell am i watching <laughs> then, <laughs> like as you kind of realize what's going on and get familiar and comfortable with this little world that they built you're like okay and it, it really reminded me a lot of sorry to bother you last year Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Thankfully, with significantly fewer horse cocks, but um, just like it's Thank- a really thankfully, geez, <laughs> that's the best part of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just like this really trippy, like just slightly askew world that <laughs> really works for its story. <laughs> yeah, it's all, everyone's talking like mannered, but it's off in that way. Like everyone is. They're talking very, very succinct senses, and they don't really have a lot of emotion to all their words, and uh, it's, it's so weird. It is, I love, but I, I, it's so great. Jesse Eisenberg, I, he's, he's one of the more interesting uh, actors out there. I just kind of love what, what, seeing when he does when he shows up in all these little smaller movies. Uh, he's just, he just kind of knows what he's good at and just plays on it differently every single time. It's really great. I love it. 
I mean, I was a little disappointed he didn't shove a Jolly Rancher into somebody's mouth um, like he <laughs> so artfully did in Batman versus Superman. <laughs> but you're, you're he talking does a about, lot. You're talking about the peak of cinema, you mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so we'll move on from some of our happier notes this summer and we'll go with most disappointing. Um, and I'll lead off on that one. Uh, probably big shocker here i'm gonna go with godzilla <laughs> i just <laughs> i love this movie i've talked about it before i just uh it, it rubs me in all the wrong ways and like i was i was completely ready for I, so I'll, I'll preface saying i was one of the few people that enjoyed fallen kingdom just because once you get past like all the the fake like preserve the environment stuff from the first half of the movie and it's just dinosaurs killing people for an hour inside a mansion i'm all for it but that i really thought godzilla was going that direction and then they really didn't in my opinion and was still just bogged down in this complete garbage ensemble story that didn't work and like yeah the monster fights didn't really work for me the uh scene where and i guess i can spoil it now because it's been almost five months (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the scene where Sally Hawkins dies and like I couldn't tell if she was dead or not until two minutes later when they actually flash her name on screen saying deceased. And like it was just a very problematic movie for me. Yeah, it's I didn't like that movie much either. Um, I think I liked it a little more than you, but I mean, you really hate that movie. So it's not really saying <laughs> much. Um, it's yeah, it's it's kind of a it's whereas so, the art of self-defense was kind of a, a blob and of a movie in a good way. This is just kind of throwing shit at the screen and seeing what sticks. There's they, they it seems like they took so many notes from 2014 Godzilla. Where it's like, Oh, you didn't get enough Godzilla. All right. We're going to throw him everywhere. And we're going to, he's going to fight 18 monsters, but it's all going to be just pretty terribly filmed. And there's always just like weather in the way. So you can never understand what's going on in between like snowstorms and stuff like that. And um, it's, yeah, it's really frustrating. And, there's just so many characters and I just like, I just don't care about anything that Millie Bobby Brown is doing in this movie. Um, it's not, not, it's not going after her as an actress, but just like her character. It's just like, Oh, like the kid that has like, like parent parental issues. And it's just like, I just like, I don't care at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's not good. Uh, but my, my choice for most disappointing was um, a little different because for one thing, I didn't really have many expectations going into Godzilla King of the Monster. It looked pretty stupid, and I kind of got – that's what I got. So it met my expectations in a weird way. Um, but mine was uh, Yesterday, which is a movie I just really didn't like very much at all. Um, I was kind of – I was really looking forward to it. It's a fun, it's a fun little premise. Um, it's probably one of the better high-concept premises we've seen in a while. Like, what if the Beatles didn't exist? Um, but I don't think it really played – too far into that it kind of just like dips its toes into like all the things like oh all these cute references of things that wouldn't have happened without the Beatles and um, I mean this movie's really fun when they're belting uh, Beatles movies on at Wembley or Beatles songs at, at Wembley or just singing them as loud as possible because the Beatles are really great <laughs> and yeah like they're just one of the better bands like ever so the music's really good but I just didn't buy like any of the romance or the drama going on here at all it doesn't really it's trying to do so many things where it's trying to be a comment on creativity but it doesn't really go into that and then it's maybe trying to be like a 
like a really sappy love story, but it's not even like good sap in that way. Um, I just, it was just kind of like a, it just, it was kind of just a misfire. I didn't really get anything from it. Um, it's not the worst, but I was just, for playing the expectation games, I expected a little more from it. Yeah. And I, I think I like it a little bit more than you did, but I'm kind of in the same train of thought with most of what you have to say about it. Um, like I, I don't think they go far enough into their premise and I think they kind of fall apart a little bit. Yeah. Kind of in the romance part of the movie. Like I, I don't think it's possible for Lily James to be in love with you. And you're like, Ugh. <laughs> uh, like <laughs> that's the part I couldn't get my head around. And then, yeah, I mean, it's nice when some guys shouting Beatles songs at you, but like they keep trying to shoehorn Ed Sheeran into the movie. Um, like he just, randomly pops up every 20 minutes or so and becomes a major plot point and then disappears. And I, I don't, I don't think it really reached far enough into, I mean, the, like you said, kind of the, the depth of what its premise could be like really looking at the world without the Beatles. Yeah. And I, it, watching movies like this, it really makes me want just to get Lily James, just like better parts. Cause We've seen it like in other movies or like Darkest Hour or just these other things where she, she just kind of plays like this side character or supporting uh, piece that doesn't really have a ton of agency to her. And she's just kind of it just the, the role is just building off of her personality. And I think she's lovely, which is why they sometimes work. But um, just I had th- thought about something like like Little Woods, which came out in, in April this year, which is just an awesome movie with her and Tessa Thompson, just like. She has a really meaty role, and we just get to see how good she is. Like, I just want better stuff for her. And it was just, it was just kind of a bummer to see her in this kind of thing. Yeah, and I mean, it's it, we're kind of we've had a lot of those movies this year where it's just like, yeah, listen to this music, you love it. Um, like we just had Blinded <laughs> by the Light a couple weeks ago. I mean, we had Rocket Man, which I think is the better of all those movies. We had Bohemian last year. Um, I'm pretty sure we've got a couple more in the pipeline coming along over the next year or so. And this is just like the Beatles take on it. Um, one thing that I thought was actually a lot of fun was how they worked John Lennon into the story. And um, I guess they had two of the other Beatles feet, if if that counts. But I thought they found a, a cool way to like look at John Lennon and, and how his life would be if the Beatles weren't here, which I honestly would have liked to see a little bit more of with this kind of premise, too. Yeah, I could agree with that. I thought that was I thought that was one of the the pieces of the movie where I thought it was going to get closer to some type of like emotional res- resonance where it's like, oh, maybe like his life was better or look at all the like the life he got to live. But eh, it was another one of those where it just it just felt like a missed opportunity, like uh, just potential that wasn't earned there. So, uh, but yeah, I totally agree in that sense. And I mean. Danny Boyle had to go start taking over Bond, so we'll we'll cut him some slack on that one. Yeah, but then he got fired. <laughs> oh, so now oh it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just a mess of stuff going around. <laughs> so um, those were our most disappointing movies of the summer. So we'll move to the greatest worst movie of the summer. So this is going <laughs> to be a movie that we know is bad. Uh, this is kind of a guilty pleasure category. <laughs> so the the movie that was the worst at being the best or the best at being the worst, however you want to look at that. Um, and I'll let you take the lead on that one. 
Yeah, that's a great uh, category title, by the way. I love it. Um, my my choice is Hobbs and Shaw, which is a movie I had a lot of fun with, but it is it is so stupid. Like it is, I feel like I lost like ten IQ points watching it. Uh, it just it just doesn't make sense. Like there's just there's MacGuffins galore throughout this thing, and then Idris Elba's a robot, and it's just it's like what is happening? It's like did I just involuntarily take drugs before watching this? And like then they're in Samoa and it's like what is what is, what is this? Um, but, but The Rock and Statham are really fun. Um, there's a couple great cameos in there which I don't really want to spoil since this movie just came out about a month ago. Um, it's just this movie is lucky that it has a really fun cast and Idris Elba's hamming it up too as the villain. Um, it's I can't for the life of me I cannot call it a good movie because you can see the seams of it. And it's edited the ending of it is chopped to bits and it's just continuity of like time and location and just none of that really makes sense but um it's really fun this it's lucky this movie is really lucky to have a lot of great personalities to it because i'm probably gonna watch it whenever it comes on like hbo or something like that just have it on the background laugh at all the jokes and enjoy the action for a little bit um yeah it's very very stupid it's weird because it's probably my it's like the one Fast and Furious movie that I found like the most entertaining, but it's probably like the fifth best or something like that, which is not saying a lot. Yeah, and I was really torn on this category too. Like I really considered Hobbs and Shaw because uh, it is like it's it schlocky, but not schlocky enough at points, and like it's still trying to take itself seriously. It, it's just a whole bunch of nonsense. But at the same time, there's cool shots of The Rock, like skydiving onto people, repelling from a building or like <laughs> punching through the window of a sports car and grabbing some guy and throwing him into a brick. Like it's there's enough <laughs> cool stuff that you're like, yeah. Um, <laughs> and let's not forget the, where he literally drags a helicopter out of the sky <laughs> with his bicep. <laughs> he just bicep curls a helicopter. That's incredible. <laughs> so it's stupid. <laughs> bicep curls a helicopter while also lassoing like four trucks onto the first truck so that he yeah, can it's, further it's, it's bicep incredible. curl the helicopter. <laughs> it's one of the stupidest things I've ever seen, but oh boy, is it good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I very nearly went with Hobbs and Shaw, but for mine, the best worst movie of the summer for me that really stuck out is Dora in the Lost City of Gold. Um, like this is just a really odd movie that seemingly just kind of came out of nowhere. Like I know I'd seen promotion for this for the past couple months, but I remember them making a Dora movie and they're like, Oh, they're doing that. Um, but it's actually like a lot of fun. I mean, it's definitely aimed. It's, it's a little loose in its aim. I guess it, it doesn't really, feel like it knows where its target audience is like is it people that watch dora right now or people that watch dora as a kid but it's also like this weird teenage friendly indiana jones crossover but it's just this really wacky movie um like eugenio derbez is a lot of fun anytime he's on screen like same with michael pena and eva longoria like there's just a lot of good actors and they seem to know what kind of movie they're in like danny trejo plays boots the monkey which that's the greatest <laughs> thing that's ever happened. Incredible. Benicio, Benicio del Toro plays Swiper. Like there's just a lot of weird stuff that happens in this movie, but it's a lot of fun and it's bad, but it's good. 
<laughs> yeah, that's one I, I, I've been meaning to check out. Um, that's definitely putting me over the edge now. I think I'm just going to see it just to see Denny Trejo as a monkey. That's, I think that might be my favorite thing in the world if I see it. <laughs> yeah, the, the only thing that really bothers me about this movie is everyone is completely okay with Swiper the Fox, like talking and walking on two feet and actually working with the bad guys. But the moment Dora tells people that Boots can talk, she's crazy. And this, this literally happens not even five minutes after Swiper has like come into their camp, talked to them, and stolen their stuff. And she's like, no, guys, Boots can talk. And they're like, no, you're crazy. <laughs> well, that's why this, that's in this category, right? <laughs> yeah, so that is uh, the number one point for why it is the greatest worst movie of the summer. Um, so we'll move on to best villain or monster. So this can be from anything. Um, so whether you wanted like an endgame style superhero villain or you wanted you know, uh, like the villains in Booksmart, which I can't even really remember who the main antagonists were. But um, anyways, the best bad guy or monster. And so for me, this was more of a difficult one. You know, at first I was like, Thanos is the easy one, but I did. I think last year, maybe I would have given it to Thanos, but not this year. I just don't think he uh, lived up to it as well. So I'm going with the crocodiles from Crawl. Sorry, the gators from Crawl, <laughs> uh, which was another so bad it's good movie. Um, it's just alligators eating people for exactly an hour and a half. Um, they don't really make sense. At some point they're giving birth, but at other times they're angry because of a hurricane. Um, but I mean, they just kill people for an hour and a half. And I mean, as a villain, that's really all you can hope for these days. Yeah, that's a good one. I like crawl. Crawl has a special place in my heart. It's it's a it's another one of those really fun. I feel like it's almost like too good of a movie to be included in the greatest worst movie of the summer. There's just a lot of good craft in it. But yeah, there's yeah. you you go to that movie and you want to see gators eating stuff and you get a lot of good gator uh, action and eating things. So <laughs> it's it's really fun. And uh, director Alexandria. Aja, I think is how you say his last name, but yeah, he's he takes a lot of glee in just showing Gator Carnage, which is it's just, it's just delightful. But um, yeah, so I guess for my my two choices here, well, I had a tie because I couldn't really decide. Um, I actually went and saw the Midsummer Director's Cut this week, which was really fun because I'm weird and I decided to see three hour movies that just make you feel awful afterwards. Um, but uh, I could have done something artsy, like just um, a, like a, just watching a relationship uh, just crumble before your very eyes as the worst villain or monster of the uh, summer. But um, I, and I really like the cult as well in that movie, but I'm going to go with uh, Mark Dacascos in John Wick three as zero uh, just cause just holy shit. <laughs> like he brings out samurai swords and he's just cutting people up and it's just incredible. <laughs> like it is John wick three is just like, a, like one of God's gifts. It's just the greatest thing. <laughs> um, it's yeah. Mark DeCascos. I think, I believe his character's name is zero, um, but he is just incredible. Just slicing and dicing everybody. And he's having a lot of fun doing it. Um, he's really hamming it up uh, next to, to um, counter Reeves. And I think it's, it's probably the best villain of the franchise. Um, 
Common was really fun in John Wick 2. Um, but uh, I think Mark DeCascos is just so just crazy good in this. And he, he's... I just can't, I can't get enough of it. Just I just want to go watch this movie so many more times. It's so great. Oh yeah, like I mean, John Wick three is is probably my favorite one in the franchise so far, and I think he is a strong reason why. Like he just has like his little ninja school, and like well, he's just taunting John Wick for the last half hour before they finally fight, and uh, he just brings a lot of energy to it and really keeps it fresh. Cause I mean, like before you had the Russians in the first one, which were kind of stereotypical. And then you had common who was sort of having fun and Ruby Rose, but they were a lot more serious. And then you get to John wick three and it's just like, nah, we're ninjas. They work at a sushi restaurant as a front. Like it's just a lot, <laughs> a lot of fun and really kind of significant as to where the franchise has gone but yeah like as you as you mentioned like he has like the like the shadow ninjas that are just like coming out of like just every little crevice and just killing people uh it's it's just so great uh, i could i i need, I need more mark DeCascos in my life he's been around for a while and i feel like this is like a really cool like moment for him for like just general audiences to like be aware of him because he's been in a lot of really cool um just uh, kung fu movies over the years and um yeah he's just he is just the best oh yeah <laughs> it was great <laughs> um so those are our best villains or monsters however you want to define them even though we really didn't get into monsters a whole lot um but we'll move on to the okayest movie of the summer so this is a movie that <laughs> was neither terrific nor terrible so we can't really put it in the top 10 or the bottom 10 and i'll let you take away with that one <laughs> yeah uh i was telling you before we came on here i had a little double feature uh last night where i caught up with scary stories and good boys and i think it was one of the most average moving go movie going experiences of my life um <laughs> there's just just two right down the middle movies where they're just they're competently made i guess but they don't really do anything interesting um so I had a hard time picking between those two, but I eventually settled on Good Boys. Um, I think this is this is probably one of the weaker like Seth Rogen uh, produced uh, comedies because uh, he, he typically he typically has a really solid uh, track record with those type of things. But Good Boys is just like so utterly fine. Um, it's a little funny at times. Um, it's a little heartfelt at times, but it's. It kind of plays into the, as you see from the trailer, it plays into the jokes of, oh, isn't this hilarious that little kids are messing with anal beads? Like, isn't that great, guys? It's a really funny joke. Um, yeah, it's 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 just whatever. Like, I laughed. There's a couple of good laughs in there. Um, but it's kind of counterbalanced by just, like, just boring stuff. Uh, like, there's just so many jokes that are repeated. It's just like, I just don't care. Um, so... Um, yeah, good boys. I saw it like maybe 16 hours ago and I'm already forgetting it. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the few, um, I guess you can call it a larger release, but more mainstream releases that I haven't seen this summer. And I, at this point, I don't think I really have any intention of going to see it. It just didn't really seem appealing to me. And I heard kind of what you were saying. It really just kind of falls into the easy jokes goes for the low-hanging fruit on uh look kids are doing gross stuff um so <laughs> i don't have much to say on good boys but as far as okayest movie of the summer goes i felt like 
most of the movies that came out this summer could have fit in this category. <laughs> like, yeah, we, very true. we've talked about it in weeks past. Like, it's just been a very underwhelming summer. I mean, we started off literally with the, the biggest movie ever <laughs> and have just kind of petered out and, and got, you know, little bumps here and there. Um, so I thought about putting like Child's Play with, in in this category or Lion King or even Aladdin. Uh, but I'm I'm going to go with Detective Pikachu. I thought this movie was great in terms of, you know, the animation and the world building, but I thought it was kind of predictable and also just like a little, I'm going to say far-fetched, like it's not a movie about monsters that go into balls in your pocket <laughs> and fight each other, but the plot gets a little like far-fetched and zany. And I remember enjoying this movie, but I really couldn't tell you why. <laughs> Uh, I thought it was just like an, an okay time and I don't think I'll ever think about it ever again. Yeah. I'm, I am in total, I'm in total agreement there. I think I forgot that that movie came out. So I guess that just kind of makes that perfect for this category. Um, yeah. It's Ryan Reynolds has some fun um, little bits in there as, as Pikachu, a great line where he's like trying to settle down with the other one where he's like serenity now serenity now <laughs> it's really really funny um but uh yeah it's there's really nothing there it's just it's kind of another uh studio trying to bank off of ip and it works i guess um they made money it's kind of that's kind of about it uh, it's nothing nothing really there for me yeah so those are very okay movies <laughs> so <laughs> If you've already seen the uh, big stuff this summer and you're still looking for something to check out, uh, you won't be too disappointed, I guess. <laughs> um, but you, you will, be, you will, you will have a time. You will have a time with those movies. Not a good, not a bad, just you will have a time. <laughs> you will have seen a movie and done something for two hours. There so. you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll move on to uh, Best Popcorn Flick. So this is going to be pretty much anything that isn't a studio movie. Um, so, or that that is a studio movie. So nothing that's smaller. So like Peanut Butter Falcon, Art of Self Defense, those those kind of smaller things. Uh, but this is a big movie that can be good without really being this great in depth or emotional journey. Uh, just something that you enjoyed. You can chill out and eat popcorn too. So for me, I'm gonna go with the low hanging fruit on this one. I'm going with Endgame. Um, I mean, I've been following I, like. I'm saying this like I'm the only one, but, you know, I've been following this since 2008. And, uh, <laughs> but, no, it's, it's just a like a great way to wrap up a lot of these stories. And there's a ridiculous amount of fan service that was just awesome. I mean, uh, like you get to see Smart Hulk. And, I mean, Hulk gives Ant-Man a taco at some point. Uh, like, there's just <laughs> a lot of fun with this movie. <laughs> and, like, I've, I, this uh, is the movie I saw most in theaters. Um, of all time because i did my part like a loyal marvel shill um, and i just <laughs> found endless entertainment from this and i'm sure i will in the years to come doesn't really uh change my perspective on anything but damn it's a lot of fun yeah there's a few moments in endgame where i mean it's like i'm sitting there i'm like i'm, I'm a serious critic i really like interesting movies like the souvenir and the last black man in San Francisco that have really interesting things to say about ourselves. But then Captain America 
um, wield uh, Mjolnir, and I'm just like, holy shit! <laughs> like movies are awesome. <laughs> this is incredible. Um, <laughs> like, like there's just so much of that fun stuff in Endgame. It's part of the reasons why it's just like why it made so much damn money. Like there's so many cool little bits. Um, so a lot of them don't even work for me, but like there's still just so many others that are just like that just counter counterbalance it all. Um, yeah, it's what more is there to say about this movie at this point? It's just fun. It's just, just the probably one of the better popcorn movies of like the last couple of years. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll go uh, to my pick from there. And I, I was thinking originally about Toy Story four, but there's like a little too much existential dread in that movie. I thought to count for the best popcorn flick. I mean, I guess if you're a little kid, you'll be having a lot of fun with it and just all seeing all the bright characters. But if you're me, you think about like, damn, like, parenthood is rough and like what am i doing with my life um so i last second i i shifted towards john wick 3 which is just the greatest we talked about it before but just keanu reeves has a samurai sword fight on a motorcycle and like a dog climbs up a 20 uh, foot wall and bites a bad guy in the balls like it is it is the most incredible thing um (laughs) like it is so so great um just I can't get it. Like, the, I think the first 30 minutes of this movie are just like perfect. Like, we're counting down to when John looks out of time and his contract goes um, worldwide and he runs into um, Boban from the Philadelphia 76ers, which, which is a special place in my heart, being a big Sixers fan. Um, but it just kills him with a book in a library and then he moves, <laughs> he moves on and he then he throws. 20 knives into five people's chests and kicks people in the face with horses multiple times. Um, this movie just is just, Oh my gosh. I, I love it. It's, it's the greatest thing ever. Um, I'll be, I'm, I am kneeling at the altar of John wick. Um, it is just, uh, I can't, it's so great. I'm at a loss for words. <laughs> yeah. The first 30 minutes of this movie are, literally the most entertaining 30 minutes of any movie ever made like <laughs> that's not an exaggeration so much, <laughs> there's so much insane stuff that just goes on just as they open the movie and like they i mean they continue to really keep that hype going throughout but like it's just an insane 30 minutes uh but it's the reason why john wick is in my top 10 for the year so far and why i'm pretty sure it'll hang on to that top 10 as we close out the year in december but yeah i mean this is just it's a great movie to just watch some guy kill people in really extreme ways yeah i think i'm there with you too it's probably one going to be one, one of my favorite uh movies of the year as well and i mean just that the like the third act too like we have bad people come in who have crazy good armor so what does john wick do he has to shoot them in the head 10 times before they die <laughs> it's just like it's so great they always they always find interesting ways to up the ante and the action is just always incredible as you would expect uh, yeah it's john wick three you're just the greatest thing ever and you just continue to give me just so many pleasures it's the greatest thing <laughs> Yeah, so those are our best popcorn flicks, and we're going to move on into our best artsy movies. So these are going to be movies that are not studio tentpoles. Um, So, like, John Wick 3 is going to be out on this one. Same with Avengers. This is going to be smaller stuff, movies that uh, probably opened in more of a limited release and expanded over time, or just are more of that indie vibe to them. 
Um, so f- I'll let you start with this one and just talk about your uh, best artsy movie of the summer. Yeah. Um, people who listen to this podcast know that I am a big fan of these artsy movies. I'm very pretentious. I have so many thoughts in my mind. I, I whittled it down to three movies, and I figured that I'd mention other movies, other, and I'll mention them in other places. So I chose The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which I mentioned before. Um, this movie is, like, staggeringly good, and I'm kind of surprised that not a lot of people are talking about it. Um, it's a little long. Um, it's it's probably, like, 15 minutes too long, which is one of the big issues I had with it. But other than that, like, this movie is just unbelievable. Like, it is really beautiful, and, I mean, obviously, as the title says it has a lot to say about gentrification um in san francisco and it deals with um just uh two friends who are kind of they feel like they're on the outskirts and they one guy wants to reclaim his childhood home um and it's just it's really beautiful and there's so many wonderful things and we'll get to this in a second but jonathan majors in this movie um you've seen him in of other smaller parts he was in white boy rick um if people saw that and a few other things but He's it's like my favorite performance of the year. Like he's just he's he's sitting he's really quiet and reserved and take he takes everything in and sits back and kind of lets life play out in front of him and then he intervenes once he's taken everything in. It's there's so much there to that character. It's just really gorgeous and um this movie was made by a first-time director, which is kind of crazy to think about. Um it's it's just beautiful and it it uses sunlight incredibly to like make San Francisco just look like the like the most beautiful thing in the world, but also kind of show how it's kind of hurt a lot of the people that originated there. Um, uh, man, it is it is really good. It's another just another triumph from A twenty four. I really hope people check it out. Yeah, it's definitely one that's been on my list for a while, but I only get like the really big small releases, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I haven't gotten a chance to see this one yet. Uh, but I did get a chance to see quite a few um, artsy films this summer, uh, which is something I've been trying to make more of a point to do because, you know, as much as I like sitting watching Captain America beat Thanos's ass for the seventh time, I uh, <laughs> I do like <laughs> to actually expand on things. <laughs> so I did. Um, and I I kind of waffled on this one, too, because I, I really liked Peanut Butter Falcon, but it's almost too comedic to be artsy if that makes sense i mean <laughs> i mean you can be really artsy and really comedic at the same time but i felt like this was more of a broader appeal to it um, but i don't think it really kind of clamped down on on any issues or, or subjects or anything like that um so for my best artsy movie of the summer i think i'm gonna go with the farewell um like it was just and, and again this kind of approaches on the the whole comedic side of things too but i thought this was just a really interesting look into chinese culture and a little bit of the divide between um you know natural born chinese and american born chinese and just looking at this family dynamic and i thought aquafina did a just a phenomenal job with it and i mean the only thing i'd seen her in before this was oceans eight so i was glad to see that she has more range than I think she just like says random techie stuff in Ocean's 8. So I was happy to see her really explore that character and that world and just the urbanization of China. And it was just a really interesting movie for me. And it also touches on a lot of really deep emotional stuff. Just looking at, I mean, the grandma has, spoiler alert, the grandma has cancer. Um, 
I mean, she literally gets that like the second minute of the movie. So not that huge a spoiler, but just a really interesting look at all these different dynamics and, and having a lot of fun with the premise and the, uh, the wet, the fake wedding scene in the movie is one of my favorite things that I've seen <laughs> all summer. And just like all of the grandmother's children and grandchildren just getting like super drunk and losing, <laughs> forgetting that they're trying to keep her dying a secret from her. <laughs> and they just, they just have a lot of fun with it. It's, it's a great time. Yeah, I really love the farewell as well. Um, there's a lot of really great stuff in there. As you mentioned, it's it's really, really funny. And you maybe wouldn't expect that from a cancer movie. Like you would think it'd just be just incredibly depressing. But it finds a lot of light lightness in there, which I really appreciated. Um, yeah, I, re- I really love how that movie kind of just touches on the idea of um, like life in the West and in the East where in the West, it's kind of more for the individual for in the East, it's kind of, you're a part of the whole. Um, and I thought that was just a really just thoughtful piece of that movie. Um, really great. Um, I, it seems like a lot of people are like, this movie's breaking out a little bit. So that's also really nice to see as well. Cause it's just really, really delightful. Yeah. So those are our artsy picks for the summer. Um, so we'll move on to performances and we've got three categories for performances so we're going to start with our our, our favorite uh, performance by a male actor, and that so again that's for movies this summer. Um, obviously, mine is Chris Hemsworth in Men in Black International. I mean, just <laughs> incredibly dramatic. Uh, no, this one was one that I kind of dawdled on a little bit too, just because there were a lot of really solid performances. Uh, but I think I'm going with. DiCaprio and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, you know, he's not really doing anything like Daniel Day Lewis level, but it's, I mean, it really is the most fun I've had watching a DiCaprio movie. And he really seems to hit on, he hits his character really well. And I think if Leo ever slowed down, they're kind of in the same stage of life, uh, the character and the actor. But it's just a lot of fun and a really good look at, I mean, Tarantino using DiCaprio to kind of analyze himself. And I just cannot praise uh, Rick Dalton enough. Yeah, it's man. There's so many good performances in that movie. Um, I think yeah, Leo and Brad Pitt are just like they're just incredible in that movie. Uh, and same with Margot Robbie, who does so much with like not a ton of dialogue, and she's just really beautiful in that movie as well. Um, yeah, I I kind of wanted to do something a little different here. Um, one of my honorable mentions was um, Adam Driver in The Dead Don't Die. Who is he? Is just fucking hilarious in that movie. Everything, everything he says, just I was like in tears laughing. Just incredibly deadpan, and he just works perfectly for that Jim Jarmusch style, where it's just it's really laid back, and people are dying all around him, and he's just like, oh, that's that's interesting. Well, oh, oh well. <laughs> like it's it's just it's just another reason why Adam Driver is probably one of the best actors working today. Um, God, he's so great in that movie. But uh, I wanted to, I kind of mentioned it before, but I just wanted to shout out Jonathan Majors once again, because um, he is just unbelievable in this movie. Um, he, This is kind of a star-making performance for him. Uh, just like I said before, just very reserved. But then he, he, it gets to a point where he's ready to say something and he doesn't hold back. And it is just, it is incredible. And his, um, his screen partner, Jimmy Fails, is equally just like, like absurdly great in this movie. Um, these two guys are probably going to be stars for the next um, 
couple decades if they choose the right material because they I just I couldn't get enough of either of those guys in these movies. They're really great. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with what I've seen them in so far and hoping to see them in more going forward. Um, so we'll move on to best performance by a female actor. So best actress, uh, if you will. And I don't know. I this, this one was another one that I think I was leaning towards Aquafina for a while, but I'm going to end up going with Caitlin Deaver from Booksmart. Um, oh, good pick. Booksmart was a really underrated movie. You know, it didn't perform too well, uh, but it is one of the most accurate high school movies uh, I think out there. And I think it's hugely due to Caitlin Deaver and Beanie Feldstein's performances. Um, it's one of the few high school movies that it actually feels like these people have been to a high school within the past three years. And like, it's just really sincere and awkward and like, goofy, but she's also really smart and charming and just trying to figure out who she is as a person. And I, I just thought it was a really well-rounded and, and really well done performance. Yeah. It's kind of a star making turn for both of them as well. Isn't it? They're just, they're just so good. Um, they've kind of been around, they've been in other things before, but it was just like, man, like they're just really talented and really fun. And I can't, I really just can't wait to see what they do next. But, uh, my choice here, I, I chose, um, honor Swinburne in the souvenir, which was just a really good movie that I don't really think had a lot of good potential to break out. Cause it's just, it's very idiosyncratic and very still and quiet and very reserved, which is. Kind of tough, a tough sit for a lot of people. But Honor Swinburne is so good in this movie where if you haven't seen it, it's based, it's a movie about a bad relationship and her boyfriend, uh, uh, Tom Burke, is just he's a drug addict. Um, you've kind of seen this story before, but this movie kind of gets at it differently where um, this was um, the first uh, movie from that, that I've seen from Joanna Hogg. She's made uh, three, I think three other movies before this, but a lot of her movies, like I kind of mentioned before, they're very still and very quiet and it's very naturalistic. So on like honor Swinburne, who is the daughter of total Swinton, who's in, who's also in the movie as her, as her mother. Um, she didn't like learn. She got the script. She was, I think she was cast like two or three weeks before filming. Um, so she just kind of came on and you can kind of see that in the performance. Cause it's, it's very naturalistic. She's just kind of talking like, she's just kind of like, it's hard saying that it's acting because she's just kind of being herself and kind of living in that. But uh, it's, it's one of those performances where it, she's just kind of talking like randomly, like there's not like, she, there's no like acting capital A moments in it, but she's just kind of being, and you kind of see you, you take away a lot of this, a lot of the under like lying themes and what she's saying and where it's just like a regular conversation. It means so much more. Um, it's a movie that I've thought about more and more as I as I've gotten away from it. I saw it at Sundance earlier this year, but yeah, she is her performance has stayed with me for like a really long time, and she, I can't. She might be my favorite performance of the year. It's really tough to say, but she is really awesome in this movie. Yeah, um, that's another one that's on my checkout list, but unfortunately, I'm probably gonna have to wait till it's on streaming if it's not already. Um, and so the third best performance category, which <laughs> I think is arguably the most important, is the best dog voiced by an actor as opposed to a dog voiced by a dog. <laughs> so there are quite a few movies 
at least three movies this this summer that, that uh, qualify for best dog voiced by an actor. So I'll let you uh, start with that one. Um, yeah, this this was uh, a doozy of a category. Um, basically, because I haven't seen any of these movies, because um, I just because I didn't want to. Um, the, it, there's just way too many dog movies. I I saw Dog's Way Home and. In January, and I, I sit and I was, I was done for the year with dog movies, so I chose the cynical pick. I did I, my pick for uh, best dog voice by an actor is anything but Kevin Costner in The Art of Racing in the Rain, which is also a movie. Once again, I haven't seen, but I watched the trailer for it, and it terrified me, and I had nightmares <laughs> about Kevin Costner as a dog, and it's, it's very off-putting hearing a gravelly old man's voice <laughs> in this like heart and like this heartwarming like studio drama that has like Amanda Seyfried and the the dude from this is us in it um it's it's just it is mortifying so by exclusion that is my choice <laughs> yeah i went kind of the same direction um i got really annoyed with the a dog's journey and especially the art of racing in the rain trailers um, I have seen both of those far too many times. So I'm going with Harrison Ford in The Secret Life of Pets 2. Um, I couldn't tell you what character he played other than it was a dog. And that's just because he's <laughs> Harrison Ford. And I saw that trailer, I think, only once. So that's definitely a win in my book. Yeah, he was just, it looked like they got him to stop smoking weed for like an hour just to go record like dialogue and it was fun and it's also another movie i haven't seen <laughs> i don't care to but it looked like he had fun <laughs> i mean he got paid so there you go it's all about the paycheck right um so <laughs> that kind of concludes the recap but we do want to look forward a little bit to what's coming out the rest of the year um i know we've talked about it a little bit before but i think you know we've had just such a meh summer so far i think a lot of the really interesting stuff i mean even blockbusters but even artsy films um is really yet to come and i think we have just a lot of cool stuff i mean even starting this coming weekend we'll have it chapter two and i mean the first it made damn near close to a billion dollars so i won't be surprised to see it chapter two um uh, push it i guess it was about 700 million, but still a ridiculous amount for a horror movie. Um, but we, we have a lot of cool stuff coming up. So um, any uh, most anticipated movies or just stuff to look out for on your end, Nick? Yeah, I could have I could have gone the film Twitter route and chosen something like Parasite from Bong Joon-ho, which I'm actually looking really forward, looking forward to a lot. It looks really good. Or like The Lighthouse, um, just super artsy picks, but... I went with Ad Astra, which is a movie that I've been cautiously optimistic about for a while. I mean, it's Brad Pitt and James Gray is a really interesting director. Um, but I mean, it's it's tough when you see like a movie like this drop in, in September. You kind of get nervous. You think like, what's wrong with this movie? Like, shouldn't shouldn't have this been a summer movie or like like a November movie or something like that? But um, it's it, it's premiering at Venice um, and other festivals, and it's getting really good reviews, which makes me really excited. And it looks like a really, really fascinating way to kind of talk about uh, parental and uh, parental dynamics or just like kind of talking about like um, the, the void that's left by a parent that leaves a child, which I just think that's really fascinating to talk about in a space movie. 
Um, so that's probably my pick. Um, I fear the the bad discourse around Joker is already <laughs> happening. So <laughs> that it was at one point uh, a movie that I was very interested, like, uh, like was probably my most anticipated. But I'm just not looking forward to dealing with the possible shitstorm that comes with it. Oh yeah, that's that's definitely already started. DC Twitter is is already on the move <laughs> as far as just like slamming everybody and, and talking about Joker is. Um, but for me, I think it's a tie. Um, I mean, I could go the easy route and say star Wars, but there are like five people on this planet that aren't at least somewhat excited for that. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with a tie between Jojo rabbit and knives out. So, I mean, those are, two of my favorite directors. Um, I love everything Taika Waititi has ever touched. And so I am definitely ready for his, his take on Adolf Hitler. It's <laughs> um, just like viewing the just really like wacky worlds that he always builds in his movies. And then as far as Knives Out, like I really just like this kind of return to that 60s-ish feel of, of the whodunit. And I mean, you have a ridiculously loaded cast. I mean, you got Christopher Plummer, Jamie Lee Curtis, Chris Evans in his first real uh, post-Captain America work. And, I mean, I could go on, like, like Keith Stanfield's in that movie, and Michael Shannon, and Daniel Craig, and like, it is just a ridiculously loaded cast. Um, and I, I, I need both of those movies as soon as possible. Yeah, I those movies are going to be really fun. And I just, I saw the trailer again recently for Jojo Rabbit, and it just, everything that Taika does, I've said this so many times, but every time, every just everything he does is just hilarious to me where he just has like these really like offhanded, like just like, like shrugs or just the way he talks. It's just so goofy. I I, I really, really love it. And yeah, like knives out, it's going to be, it's a Ryan Johnson joint. So it's going to be kind of a play off of um, the whodunit movie, which is going to be really fun. Um, yeah, I can't, uh, there's a, there's a lot of good movies coming out this fall. I'm really excited for it. Yeah. And I mean, Jojo Rabbit gives me really strong boy vibes, which was uh, Taika's first big movie. I mean, not really in the States, but in New Zealand. Um, and that's actually my least favorite Taika movie, but I really just like like the spin I have seen um, from the trailer and, and all the, the news I've heard from Jojo Rabbit coming up. And I mean, you have also a pretty loaded cast. I mean, you have Rebel Wilson and Stephen Merchant and Sam Rockwell uh, Scarlett Johansson's in the movie and Alfie Allen coming off of Game of Thrones. Like you have a, a really loaded cast in that, just a completely batshit premise that's going to be hilarious and great. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, so that kind of wraps up our summer recap. So again, you know, it's Labor Day, not much going on. So it was a, a lot more interesting and engaging on our parts to talk about just all the the successes we've seen this summer. I mean, with a lot of duds that have taken most of the attention, there's actually been a pretty good crop of movies coming up. They just, you have to rake through the weeds of men in black and dark Phoenix and (laughs) the lion King and, and all these other movies to get there, but there is good stuff this summer, good stuff coming up the rest of the year. And we'll be back talking about it next week. Uh, talking about it chapter two and all things Stephen King. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Movie Babble Podcast. Again, you can check us out online at moviebabblereviews.com. And join us next week as we check out the opening weekend for It Chapter 2. Thank you.